are entering the Freedom Hut. One government shutdown ends, but is another one yet to begin? We will talk about where the negotiations over border security and, yes, building a border wall currently stand. Plus, new reporting today that the Mueller probe is coming to an end. Is this something that we are celebrating too early or is it going to continue to drag on? And what does the Roger Stone raid and prosecution tell us about this whole thing? That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Great to be with you on this lovely Monday. Um, The shutdown is over, as you no doubt know. Government now, the 15% of government that was not operational and the government employees who were not receiving paychecks, that has all been attended to. And sure enough, as is their way, the Democrats have responded to this uh, outreach from the White House to this uh, this gesture from the GOP of, of good faith with all of the gratitude and seriousness that the moment deserves. Oh, no, just kidding. They're playing politics right away. Now it's you know, well, we're still not we're still opposed to a wall. Uh, Chuck Schumer told us that on Friday. There's, there's still not going to be a barrier. Wait, what? Why? Why can't there be a barrier? Can some of them please make a case about this? I would just like one Democrat politician who will stand up with somebody who knows the issue and and debate it in front of the American people. Do you not want a wall because it's effective in stopping illegal immigration? Because then you're in favor of illegal immigration. Do you not want a wall because it's too expensive? Because illegal immigration is very expensive to this country, has a lot of costs associated with it. Billions and billions and billions of dollars every year. What is the real? Oh, you you don't want to build a barrier because Trump said it. It is a good idea. If we get a barrier in more places along the border, we will see it in action and see the numbers to reflect that it is a good idea. It will perhaps create enough room for Congress to finally take action on asylum, which is just going to keep getting worse. Our country is wide open now to illegal immigrants. If you know the asylum system, I'll talk to you more about that later on in the hour. Wide open. Border Patrol, if people really know the law who show up, most of them don't. But if people really know what the process is, Border Patrol is really indefensible at this point. Or rather, cannot defend itself. Cannot defend our borders. People show up. They know the game. They can get in. That is the current system we have in place. Because Congress is a bunch of... Just pathetic, pathetic cowards on the issue of immigration and just the worst. And I saw a lot of a lot of gloating, a lot of high fiving among the left over the weekend about this whole issue. Oh, you know, Trump caved. We beat Trump. You know, Trump is uh, Trump is this Trump is that. They're also very, very pleased with themselves over this. Meanwhile. The country still has a crisis at the border. Yes, it is a crisis. The Democrats have no serious policy solutions to offer for our illegal immigration crisis. In fact, they really just want to make it worse. And we are going to be in this fight going forward now 
with an understanding that the other side on this issue, the Democrats, are fundamentally unserious, unserious on the issue of dealing with this problem. Although I do see Trump did get a new date for his State of the Union speech, so he's got that going for him, which is nice. Um, but, you know, the immigration system is under even more strain now because there's an even greater backlog. And the longer this thing drags out, the more people will figure out who want to come into this country through illegal or exploitative, dishonest means what the ways to do that are. So that just means the crisis is going to get worse. There, There is no end in sight here. It is just going to keep growing. And the incentive for Democrats to be obstructionists on the issue of illegal immigration and, and, and curbing it, uh, their incentives are only growing as well. Uh, the, the political momentum of being pro-illegal immigration is only getting stronger. And that's why I think we're probably heading to another shutdown here. And that's also why Mick Mulvaney has spoken about this issue and let everybody know that Trump is willing to, he's willing to go right back into this fight. Play clip nine. Is the president really prepared to shut down the government again in three weeks? Uh, yeah, I think he actually is. Uh, keep in mind, he's willing to do whatever it takes to secure the border. He does take this very seriously. Uh, this is a serious humanitarian and security crisis. And as president of the United States, he takes the security of the nation as his highest priority. It is a very high priority. But for Democrats, the priority seems to be to placate their left wing base, their open borders, uh, unfortunately, libertarian allies in many cases, and the Republicans who are particularly favorable to the Chamber of Commerce and the donor class who want the influx of cheap labor to continue. This depresses wages. Now, you know, it's very hard to have a discussion that will really get people's attention in this country about the long-term political ramifications of one or both political parties essentially throwing those who work for a living and have to work at the uh, as employees of others, right? Not that are starting some dot-com startup or something and become super wealthy or you know these stories we all hear about. People that are just showing up and doing a job for them to be thrown under the bus by the Democrats and increasingly by the Republicans could have long-term destabilizing effects on this country. I mean, it starts to pull us apart over time. You know, what is America if the American government does not make any meaningful distinctions between citizens and non-citizens, between those who obey the law when they come here and those whose first act on U.S. soil, the very first thing they do is to disobey our laws, and to do so increasingly with the belief, and this is what I've been told by Border Patrol, the belief that this is owed to them, that the people that are coming into this country do not come here necessarily. Some of them do, some of them don't. We're speaking in very broad terms, but a lot of them show up, and their attitude is, yeah, the place I, I've come from is bad, but you know, America is better, but also uh, I, I deserve my piece of this. Where are my benefits? Where are the advocacy organizations that are going to make sure that I get access to as much taxpayer-funded largesse as possible, as fast as possible? That is increasingly the attitude of a lot of people 
who get into the country and then are exposed to these various NGOs and pro-immigration or pro-legal immigration lawyers and, and legal aid groups that are set up, they tell people that you are owed this. You are owed this. You are, you see, less likely to commit crimes than native-born Americans, of all ethnicities, by the way. You are less likely to commit crimes. You are also willing to do the jobs they won't do. You're effectively better than Americans just because you've come into the country illegally. This is a recurring theme for the Democrats. They have elevated illegal immigrants into some quasi-saint-like status just because it suits their short-term political needs. They have no serious answers for any of this. They become indignant and start throwing around terms like racist and xenophobe and all these different things. These are just talking points. These are smears because they cannot handle the substance. And I now we, we have to take a moment to talk about Trump's hand in all this. I saw what Coulter has said recently, among others. They say that Trump caved. He's being a wimp on this one. I think it's too soon to know what to say about what Trump has done on this. Um, I think that we will know much more in three weeks when we'll see if the government is shut down again or if he declares a, a national emergency on this issue. But at least we're having this conversation because this problem was really... Uh, accelerated dramatically under the Obama administration. This stretches back for many years. The unaccompanied unaccompanied children crisis at the border stretches back to the second part of Obama's eight years in office. And it wasn't dealt with properly then. And now the crisis has only ballooned and gotten worse. And more people realize that this is a really major issue that must be handled. Because it only grows over time. As more people learn about this, it only becomes a greater strain, not just on our border and border patrol and immigrations and customs enforcement agencies, but also on the communities where you have illegal immigrants who are increasingly in need of and demanding services on systems that are already, you know, extended beyond what they can handle. But we're not even supposed to have that conversation. The American people are told by their media, by the elite political class, suck it up. Don't be a racist. Illegal immigrants are great. They don't have to obey the law. They don't have to be held accountable the same way that you do. Just deal with it. That's really what they're being told. That's what all of us are being told. They just don't put it in those terms. And that's why I'm very curious to see if Trump is able to to whether it's by by just he could also just order the wall to be built right just build a wall just do it a judge yes will stop him but it'll make its way through the courts and if trump wins on that well doesn't that give him a lot to a lot to say and a lot to do for another another four years doesn't that show that the democrats have been operating and negotiating in bad faith on this issue all along and of course they have um of course they have i'm, I'm frustrated that Somehow Republicans can never win this debate in front of the American people. Now, you could say maybe the polls are skewed or although Pelosi's personal numbers have got hammered through this whole process. Um, but somehow Republicans always end up looking worse, or at least that's the that's the perception. And the Republicans act on that perception. Former governor. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. See, that that happens sometimes. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, not not former Governor Sanders. That's a different Sanders. That happens sometimes. They are, in fact, relatives. Uh, she talked today during a press conference, first press conference 
in a little while about where the president is on this one, what his expectations are, and, and what the fight looks like ahead with the Democrats. And here's what she said, play 17. Is the president really willing to go through another shutdown if he can't get any money out of the Democrats for the border wall? The president doesn't want to go through another shutdown. Uh, that's not the goal. The goal is border security uh, and protecting the American people. Ideally, Democrats would uh, take these next three weeks to negotiate in good faith, as they've indicated that they would, uh, and come up with a deal that makes sense, that actually fixes the problem uh, so we don't have to go through that process. But they won't, right? I mean, she's the press secretary, so she's saying what she has to say here. But we all know that Democrats aren't going to do that, right? No, no way. There's really no enforcement mechanism of the law when it comes to illegal aliens entering this country and staying in this country. There's no enforcement mechanisms that Democrats want to strengthen, want to bolster, want to expand. They do not have an interest in that. At all. They just don't. They do not have that interest. They uh, much prefer this continued dysfunction because the dysfunction of illegal aliens entering the country in large numbers over a long period of time favors their political interests of a larger state, a state that is divided along uh, ethnic and national origin lines. And that skews because of the population and demographic changes that are occurring skews to the left. This is fundamentally about the future of this country. Yes, it's about sovereignty, but it's also about what kind of a country are we going to be? One that respects the rule of law or one where embracing the mob rule that comes via the mass lawbreaking of decades of illegal immigration is a, is a strategy that leads to political victory. I think we're getting closer and closer to that reality, and that's why the president has to fight on this. and And I'm willing to I'm willing to let let him see this through before I criticize him for waiting. Republicans waited way too long on this, and also for leaving some other items off the list. You know, no, where where was that defunding of Planned Parenthood that we were we were promised? Where did that happen, huh? Anyone tell me why that couldn't happen? Although they did get a bunch of judges through, I think, today. So that's good. There's some upside here. we got to look at the positive as well. Uh, we've got more on the media coverage of this, though, and then we'll talk uh, Roger Stone indictment, Mueller probe maybe wrapping up. Probably not, but that and more coming up. I've been watching the news all week, I mean, all day long, and they've been beating up on the press. Oh, he caved to this. This is from a media who says that the president is is just recalcitrant. He won't compromise. He won't. And when he does, you beat him up for caving. This is it's just it, you can't it, you you sort of can't have it both ways. You can't beat the guy up when he actually says, OK, I'll have it your way, Nancy. We'll do exactly what you want. We'll sit down with you. We'll negotiate. He came. He craved. He cratered. He's a wimp. And then and then say, on the other hand, well, the president doesn't ever compromise. You can't have it both ways. I got to give Rick Santorum some credit over there. He was at CNN in the belly of the beast. He's making a very important point, which we saw play out all weekend, which is in, in the weeks of the shutdown, it was Trump is so unreasonable. Why is he so unreasonable? Like, why can't he just all the people are suffering? Why can't he just open the government? And like, I'm so upset. I just don't understand. Like, why is he so mean? You know, just we just want to negotiate in good faith. Like, Pelosi's office just wants to talk. And then 
He says, all right, fine. You guys are not going to, you know, I don't want the federal employees to continue to suffer over this one. So fine. We'll open the government for a short period. And then they're like, ha ha. You are such a wimp, Trump. We have defeated you once again. It's like, so you, this is none of this. It's all games. It's all games about who's going to be in power, about who's going to run things, who's going to be in charge. All games to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. It has nothing to do with securing the border, the security of the American people. None of that. Nothing. Nada. They just don't care. This is about who is winning in the political back and forth and you know, everything else. Oh, and the media in this has been incredible. They were all magnifying this Democrat talking point about how Trump was so unreasonable, so unreasonable. All he has to do is sit down, open the government, sit down and let's talk. That was the story for for two weeks, at least before Trump finally said, all right, fine, we'll, we'll fund the government for a little while for two weeks. And then as soon as he does, they go, oh, you know, he's such a punk, such a sellout, such a, a weak link in this whole thing. And I just say, you know, this is why people don't trust the media. I mean, the media is a raging trash bag fire it is our national news media is a joke it is a disgrace i could decide that i'm just going to become a sandwich maker tomorrow and not do any more media i would still believe this i would still tell everybody i know this the national news media is a disgrace it's like college professors who all of a sudden banded together and inflicted their brand of left-wing lunacy on the rest of the country via columns and tv shows and occasionally on radio although much less so on radio Thankfully, conservatives still pretty much dominate radio, although podcasting libs have got an advantage there because of all the digital Silicon Valley stuff. But I digress. Caving versus compromising. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how this gets all broken down? You'd, you'd think that they would wait at least a couple of days before gloating so it wasn't so transparent and so obvious. But the mainstream networks were cheerleaders all along, have been cheerleaders for Democrats against Trump. That's what is happening. That's what the reality of the situation is. People can tell themselves otherwise. They can lie to themselves about this. We all see it. And I I give credit to Rick Santorum for understanding what's uh, what's really an issue here. But look, I I do think we're going to I do think we're really going to come back to this. I've been watching the news all week, I mean, all day long, and they've been beating up on the press. Oh, he caved to this. This is from a media who says that the president is is just recalcitrant. He won't compromise. He won't. And when he does, you beat him up for caving. This is it's just it, you can't it, you you sort of can't have it both ways. You can't beat the guy up when he actually says, OK, I'll have it your way, Nancy. We'll do exactly what you want. We'll sit down with you. We'll negotiate. He caved. He craved. He cratered. He's a wimp. And then, and then say, on the other hand, well, the president doesn't ever compromise. You can't have it both ways. I got to give Rick Santorum some credit over there. He was at CNN in the belly of the beast. He's making a very important point, which we saw play out all weekend, which is in the weeks of the shutdown, it was Trump is so unreasonable. Why is he so unreasonable? Like, why can't he just all the people are suffering? Why can't he just open the government? And like, I'm so upset. I just don't understand. Like, why is he so mean? You know, just we just want to negotiate in good faith. Like Pelosi's office just wants to talk. And then he says, all right, fine. You guys are not going to, you know, I don't want the federal employees to continue to suffer over this one. So fine. We'll open the government for a short period. And then they're like, ha ha. You are such a wimp, Trump. 
we have defeated you once again. It's like, so you, this is none of this. It's all games. It's all games about who's going to be in power, about who's going to run things, who's going to be in charge. All games to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. It has nothing to do with securing the border, the security of the American people. None of that. Nothing. Nada. They just don't care. This is about who is winning in the political back and forth and you know, everything else. Oh, and the media in this has been incredible. They were all magnifying this Democrat talking point about how Trump was so unreasonable, so unreasonable. All he has to do is sit down, open the government, sit down and let's talk. That was the story for for two weeks, at least before Trump finally said, all right, fine, we'll, we'll fund the government for a little while for two weeks. And then as soon as he does, they go, oh, you know, he's such a punk, such a sellout, such a, a weak link in this whole thing. And I just say, you know, this is why people don't trust the media. I mean, the media is a raging trash bag fire. It is. Our national news media is a joke. It is a disgrace. I could decide that I'm just going to become a sandwich maker tomorrow and not do any more media. I would still believe this. I would still tell everybody I know this. The national news media is a disgrace. It's like college professors who all of a sudden banded together and inflicted their brand of left-wing lunacy on the rest of the country via columns and TV shows and occasionally on radio, although much less so on radio. Thankfully, conservatives still pretty much dominate radio, although podcasting Libs have got an advantage there because of all the digital Silicon Valley stuff. But I digress. Caving versus compromising. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how this gets all broken down? You'd, you'd think that they would wait at least a couple of days before gloating so it wasn't so transparent and so obvious. But the mainstream networks were cheerleaders all along, have been cheerleaders for Democrats against Trump. That's what is happening. That's what the reality of the situation is. People can tell themselves otherwise. They can lie to themselves about this. We all see it. And I, I give credit to Rick Santorum for understanding what's uh, what's really at issue here. But look, I, I do think we're gonna, I do think we're really gonna come back to this, and uh, very good chance that maybe the government does get shut down again. Trump, Trump is, he's not playing games on this one. He made a promise, and he knows that he should and will keep that promise to the American people. And if he doesn't, he's going to be in trouble. But the fact is, on the Republican side, a lot of people see the rise of an extraordinary important new constituency in American politics, Hispanics, who will come here and all be Democrats. Also, you know, I hear when I push people a little harder, I don't know whether I want brown grandbabies. I mean, that, that's also a part of it. It's the intermarriage that is going on and the cultures that are conflicting with each other. I also happen to believe that the Hispanics should work harder at assimilation. That's one of the things I've been saying for a long time, you know, that they ought not to be just codified in their communities, but make sure that all of their kids are learning to speak English and that they feel comfortable in the communities. And that's going to take outreach on both sides, frankly. Oh, my gosh. John Brokaw, you monster. What are you talking about here with learning English? Good heavens. I got to tell you, you know, Tom Brokaw. Tip of the hat to you, my man. I, I never would have thought he would come out and say something that was worthwhile and true. Yes, you should have to learn English in this country. People who say otherwise are delusional. You should learn English. A critical part of national cohesion for countries all over the world 
is a language that is the language of the nation. All right. Yes, there are places where there are multiple languages spoken, and you know, but uh, you know, look at the great, look at the great nations of the of our our current era. They're all associated with a language. Not the only language that's spoken there. I'm not saying people can't speak other languages. They have to be able to speak English, though. It is necessary for success in business. It is necessary for understanding the culture and the politics and the history and the day-to-day of this country fully. People who do not have English language skills are at a huge disadvantage in the marketplace, in schools, period. And it should not be on the rest of us to make it up to them or make up for this because they haven't learned English. And I, I, I don't know why this, I, I know it is controversial, and, it, and I just was saying, I don't know why it is, or it, it absolutely should not be controversial. English as the national language, I, you know, I've seen with, with all of the, the hubbub around Steve King recently, the New York Times wrote something and said, oh, he tried to pass a law where English would be the national language. Why is that a bad thing? And all the, all the morons out there, and there's so many of them, oh, it's so racist that English should be our national language. Really? Because English is also the national language of Nigeria. English is the national language of a lot of countries. And it's the language that business and government and law, and you know, all conducted in English. If I if I you know wanted to live in a Spanish speaking country, I would speak. I would learn Spanish. I wouldn't show up and wander around and be like, uh, "Excuse me, sir, I'm uh, habla uh, español, uh, habla." No, I would show up and I would just, I would be uh, I'd be very smooth. I'd sound like uh, Puss in Boots. Uh, yes, I speak the Spanish very well. You know, I'd 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 get some Antonio Banderas sounding Spanish going on. I'd be the I'd be the man. I wouldn't show up and oh I'm I'm an American. I can't speak the language of your country, even though I want to live here now. No, that's unacceptable, right? Americans, uh, you know, I, I, Americans don't show up in other countries and say, well, you know, you guys got to learn English. No. And, and this is where you know, and, and I just think it's funny because. Oh, man, Brokaw is being hammered on the assimilation point, too. Hammered on the assimilation point. Why? Why is it a bad thing to say, hey, people from all over the world, of every skin color, of every religion, of of whatever your background is, legal immigrants, we want you to be as American as possible. We want you to be our American brothers and sisters, which means that we're going to share a language, a cultural tradition and heritage, a history, a respect for the rule of law. This is what we're talking about. I mean, ultimately, a government is just an idea. Yes, it's an idea backed by force and you know law and all the rest, but it is just an idea. And America is a country not rooted on a race or a creed or, or, or you know tied to religion. It's about an idea. But people have to buy into it fully, and part of buying in is... We all speak the same language, and the language of this country is and should be English.
Now the government's reopened. We have to have a real specific conversation about how much money they will support. President said, and it's not the president, it's our experts who protect the border who say it's going to cost $5.7 billion for all the technology, including wall. What are the Democrats willing to support? That's the real question that they face now. What, what do Democrats think qualifies as a reasonable proposal? Just if, it, if it's a barrier, no. Why? There are already barriers, as we've discussed many times on this show. The barriers are very effective. Border Patrol wants more and extended barriers. So why are they allowed to draw this line in the sand on, on funding for barriers? Walls, whatever you want to call it. Why is that reasonable? It's not reasonable. They're extremists. They are extremists on the issue of immigration. The Democrats have been for a long time. It's just now becoming more apparent and it has been getting worse and worse. But we need not dance around this subject anymore. I mean, I think we're at the point where we should be very honest about the fact. We should be very honest about the fact that the Democrats want a porous border, if not an open border. And they know that illegal immigration favors their party and they want more of it. They want as much of it as they can get. Um, that's why when you look at, for example, the cost of the wall, the cost of illegal immigration, just in terms of ER visits and, and cost to, to school districts and everything else, the cost of illegal immigration is billions and billions a year per state. In states like California, New York and Texas and, you know, billions, billions of dollars spent on illegal immigration related issues every year. And people who are saying, oh, it's it's not that bad right now. Really? You have here. I've got some I've got some statistics that you might find uh, interesting. I actually spoke today at some length to folks in uh, both Border Patrol and uh, Customs and Immigration Service. And here's some of the numbers that I got from them. Uh, there has been a uh, there last month. There were just shy of twenty eight thousand families. Families, which includes two or even four or five people, depends. Uh, families that were uh, apprehended at the border, plus an additional 5,000 unaccompanied alien children. That was just last month. It was not for the year. Expenditures at the border now are rapidly growing in one area, and that's what they call humanitarian. Another way of saying it is feeding, housing, medical care. Border Patrol is not the Red Cross. Border Patrol is not there to check people for lice, which they have to do, to check people for scabies or treat them for scabies, which they have to do, to uh, see who's coming in with H1N1, which they have to do. They are not supposed to be doing these things. They're not supposed to be escorting uh, pregnant women nine months pregnant from Honduras or Guatemala or wherever to the hospital with one or two Border Patrol agents taken offline that entire time to escort that illegal alien to the hospital for taxpayer-funded services. That is happening right now. That is what is going on. Where, where's, the, where's the discussion about how to fix this? The fact of the matter is that right now they are crashing the system, intentionally crashing the system at our southern border. Large numbers of families and kids are coming over. In fact, unprecedented numbers of families and kids are showing up at the border. They're putting themselves at risk. 
They are draining resources that are meant to stop cartel smuggling. Oh, that's right. One of the favorite tactics of the drug cartels now, especially in, uh, in Arizona and Texas sectors of the border, is they march a large surrender asylum-seeking unit. When they surrender themselves, they say, here I am. They wave Border Patrol down. They've even waved Border Patrol down, according to Border Patrol, told me this, and been angry that their transport didn't arrive fast enough and that they weren't given food fast enough. That's right. Because of the Democrats and because of Barack Obama, our Border Patrol has been turned into nannies and room service providers for illegals who show up to game the system. Is that is that really what we're their law enforcement officers there to protect the border? How do you think they feel when they're constantly being undermined, the media being being treated like they like their mission is somehow immoral or bad? If a wall is immoral, Nancy Pelosi, what is a border patrol officer who tries to stop someone from coming into the country? Is that person also immoral? Works just as well as a wall. Or has the same effect as a wall for the individual who is stopped by them. This is a crisis, and Congress is to blame as much as anybody else. Congress will not change the massive loopholes in the asylum system. Congress will not address the fact that right now, if you show up, and I have run this by professionals in the field, many of them now, I've said, hold on a second. Are you telling me that the only thing that stops people from going to our southern border and turning themselves in and skipping the whole process? Because at a port of entry, they can only process so many people at a time. So that's why there's a backlog. There's a log jam at ports of entry, even for asylum seekers. They can take about depending on the port of entry, about 100 asylum seekers a day, they can process into the system. But what people find out, remember, you're dealing with a lot of, uh, and, and I don't say this in a, in a pejorative sense, but a lot of uh, illiterate people. In fact, some of the Hondurans who have been showing up, lots of them speak a dialect that's not really Spanish. And so even native Spanish speakers have difficulty communicating with them. But, you know, they are many of them are illiterate. Uh, they are not web savvy or, or particularly media savvy. And it's just a matter of time, though, before the word really gets out to all of them that you don't have to wait at a port to go through a port of entry and claim asylum. You can just walk up to any Border Patrol officer, surrender. And if you know the right things to say, if you know the right things to say, you get in. You skip years of waiting. You skip thousands and thousands of dollars spent on lawyers and everything else that people that I know who have become legal immigrants have had to go through. You skip all that. The percentage of asylum seekers in the last year who qualified for asylum in court was uh, less than I, th I think the, the, the number was 92% did not qualify. So 8% get asylum of the number that had, of the numbers, the 100,000 asylum seekers last year, 8% actually qualify for asylum, okay? What percentage of those who did not qualify were deported? Who wants to take a guess? 
So so you go through the process and you either don't show up for your hearing, don't apply to be processed for an immigration hearing, or you do show up and they say you can't get asylum. What percentage of them have been deported? Less than 1%. They all get to stay. Once you understand the seams in this system, you realize that it is wide open for scams and that's what people are doing. And this is why we have to continue to have this debate, have to have this fight over what should be done when it comes to the shutdown, what should be done for for border security. Um, We haven't dealt with the problem at all. We haven't dealt with the problem at all. And I, I know that you know, you've got like Marco Rubio, who remembers Mr. Gang of Eight, Mr. Wanted Amnesty for everybody. You know, he he's out there saying that he is opposed to a national a declaration of a national emergency. Play 14. I don't think it's a, a good idea. I think it would be a terrible idea. I hope he doesn't do it. But I don't would think you it's fight him on it? Either. Sure, because I think that it's important. Look, I don't think we'll have to fight because I'm not sure they'll end up doing that. I know it's an option they've looked at, but now you're at the mercy of a district court somewhere and ultimately an appellate court. So it really may not even withstand if you look at some of the other rulings we've seen. The other is the precedent that it sets. And uh, it's just not a good precedent to set uh, in terms of action. I understand these arguments. I think they're both crappy. One Oh, you're just going to end up in a district court somewhere. That's true of everything Trump tries to do. That's true of things that Trump tries to do as president that are well within his authority. Does that mean he just shouldn't do them? Lawfare against this presidency is real. The hashtag resistance judiciary is real. So we just cave, say, okay, they get their way. Psych, we don't need to try to win this thing anymore. I don't think that's a good idea. I think we have more in the tank, if you will, than that. More fight in us than that. So, I don't like that, oh, it's just going to go into court argument, he shouldn't do it, because, yeah, it's going to go to court because everything this president tries to do these days, it feels like goes to court. But then on the precedent issue, there is a statute that Congress passed that is the law of the land that says that the president can declare a national emergency and take appropriate action. And that's a paraphrase of it, but that's basically what it says. Do any of you think that because Trump, if he does not do this, that Democrats will say, whoa, whoa, we got to play fair. We got to be honest brokers in this whole process. We got to be straight up. And because Trump didn't do it, we're not going to declare a national emergency on guns. We're not going to declare a national emergency on climate change. No, of course they will. That's why it's very important to defeat them in the next election, because of course they will. And I think anybody who thinks otherwise is kidding themselves. Speaking about a national emergency on guns, this is a a bit of a departure, but I just saw this before I went on air, and I haven't had time to dig into it too much. Baltimore now is telling its armed police officers uh, that they have to disarm before they go into schools. I think I saw that today. I I could not believe it. I mean, there are some—you would think there are some limits to the stupidity of the left when it comes to guns. Like, you you, you would probably tell yourself that— I mean, this was from, here we go. Uniformed police officers in Baltimore will be required to disarm before entering a school. This is in the Baltimore Sun today because the school board doesn't want them to be armed. I, I don't even know what to say. And the libs, they've just, lost, they've just lost their minds on so many things. It's really, it's really hard to take them seriously, uh, except they're a, serious, they're a serious threat to our way of life and to stability and order and and prosperity because of their idiocy, but intellectually, this is unserious stuff from them. 
You don't have to use any of these liberal email services. You can actually go with a conservative alternative, ipatriots.us. ipatriots.us gives you all the good stuff from email without any of the downside you see from these Silicon Valley lefties, okay? ipatriots.us is secure, it's private, and includes more of what you want without all the ads and spam. Plus, you get 30 gigs of cloud storage, larger attachment sizes, and much more. Your email and files are safe with ipatriots premium antivirus anti spam 256-bit encryption. iPatriots.us email is compatible with most mobile devices out there, and it won't sell your information or support progressive agenda items out there, okay? Go to iPatriots.us now. Enter promo code BUCK, sign up for month-to-month service today, and get the first month free. You won't be charged until your second month of service at the specified month-to-month rate, and you can cancel anytime. Input your desired iPatriots email during checkout. Again, Enter promo code BUCK at iPatriots.us. I still believe that Hillary should be locked up? Uh, well, she lied be- under oath before Congress. She lied uh, and destroyed evidence. Uh, uh, she intimidated witnesses. She pays no penalty. Uh, Mr. Comey, Mr. Brennan, Mr. McCabe, uh, 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 Mr. General Clapper, Hillary Clinton, they all lied under oath regarding material matters of great consequence. I am falsely accused of uh, lying under Congress, which I did not do. When are the, they being prosecuted? Where is the equal uh, 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 application of the law? Say what you will about Roger Stone. He is right on this one. You have so many people who are acting like it's just some kind of crazy conspiracy that there is disparate justice in our, in our justice system for people on the left, people on the right, Democrats and Republicans. When there so obviously is, it could not be more clear. It could not be more uh, in your face. And that Roger Stone, if you look through his indictment, one of the charges has to do with he said he spoke to somebody but did not email them. Turns out he spoke to the guy and emailed them. Oh, lock him up. Lock him up. Uh, One thing that, you know. One thing that just amazes me as I talk to you about the immigration, illegal immigration situation, is how there's just no willingness. There is no willingness whatsoever to hold people at our border accountable for violating the same laws that Roger Stone is accused of violating when it comes to truthfulness before federal law enforcement officials. Turns out you can't actually lie to Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. You can't actually lie to Border Patrol uh, and these are about matters that are in their purview. But we've come to accept that when, it, when you're dealing with the Mueller probe, you lie about what you had for breakfast last week, you're going to prison. You know, you, you misremember a detail about a phone call six months ago, you're going to prison. But you're a, a Guatemalan migrant at the border who says this is my kid when it's not. And says that I'm afraid the gangs are going to kill me when you've never even seen a gang or heard of a gang in your hometown. You're not going to prison. I talked to Immigrations and Customs Enforcement about this. They're like, yeah, we just, U.S. attorneys just don't want to enforce that law against illegal immigrants. Fraud is very rarely prosecuted at the border. Why is that? Because so many people are lying. So many people are engaging in fraud. That if we started to crack down on fraud, that's all Border Patrol and all Immigration and Customs Enforcement would have the bandwidth to deal with. But you don't hear the libs talking about that. 
Rod, Roger Stone lied under oath. He should go to prison. That's what they say. How many other people have lied, lied under oath? By the way, does anyone doubt that McCabe, former acting director of the FBI, that he lied under oath? Because the FBI says he lied under oath. Where are those criminal charges? I don't know. I haven't seen any criminal charges. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? James Comey thinks that he can pass notes of a meeting with the president, which I can tell you right now, and a meeting between the president of the United States and the FBI director is classified. They can all try to tell you it's not classified, but it actually is classified. It's much more important than a lot of things and much more highly classified than a lot of things that are classified. Passing that to a reporter is a crime. They can all tell us it's not, but I know the rules too. These are the disparities in the justice system. There is rot from the top all the way down when it comes to the politics of how the DOJ uses its authority, who it goes after, and who it does not. And speaking of that rot, just the fact that they sent this uh, this entry team, basically. I mean, they sent this, the equivalent of a, of a tactical or a SWAT team to go pick up Roger Stone. Um and, and also that the CNN reporter just happened to be there because had a hunch, had a hunch about it. Right. Sure. That's very lucky. That's very lucky. I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it is very lucky, isn't it? No other reporter figured this out. No other person knew about court proceedings in D.C. and then decided to stake out this guy's home with a camera crew at 5 a.m. in the morning. That's a bold move, isn't it? working all day. Yeah, I'm just going to give this a shot. I'm going to wait 5 a.m. outside of Stone's house, see if he's getting indicted. Again, I could be wrong on this. I'm just saying, wow, that is lucky, isn't it? So lucky. Um, But Stone obviously doesn't feel like it's lucky at all. He's pretty understandably upset about the whole thing. Here's what he said. Play 11. Is this frustrating? Uh, Yes, it is frustrating because it's it's a raw abuse of power. And the fact that a CNN reporter was allowed to film uh, my arrest when the seat was the, when the street was sealed off and the fact that the CNN producer in question is a former assistant to James Comey at the FBI and formerly worked for the FBI his claim that he just had a hunch is just not credible now um, to be fair the producer that filmed it was not the former assistant to James Comey. There is somebody who's a former assistant to James Comey on the CNN payroll who kind of looks like Pajama Boy. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's Stone. So Stone's a little a little hazy on the details here. But they didn't have to send this team in. They could have sent They could have sent over w- one guy. They could have called him and asked his tele- told his lawyer to uh, to turn him in. You know, turn himself in, rather. He would have done it. He's already said he would have done it. There's no reason to believe he wouldn't have done it. No, they went at 5 a.m. to make a point. Mueller is hyper-aggressive. And when you just juxtapose this to what the FBI's treatment was of Hillary Clinton, who was trafficking in classified information in an unsafe and illegal fashion, 100%. That, that is verified. That is fact. That is on record. Um, and they just acted like it was, you know, no big deal because Hillary... Because Hillary was going to be their boss, you see. That's what you always have to remember. Now it seems like, oh, I'm sure they were going to be fair, and oh yeah, you know they they wouldn't they wouldn't stack the deck, or no, no, they're fair, totally fair. No, they're not. Why would they be fair when they think that Hillary Clinton's going to be the one giving them orders in just a matter of months? That's their mentality. Their mentality is we we've got to make sure that we we take care of the boss here, that she's going to like us down the line. 
And in order to make up for that, I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of people who have spent their whole careers in government and they need, you know, whether it's Comey or Mueller or McCabe or Clapper or whomever, they need Trump to be the villain. Because if Trump isn't the villain, they will have debased themselves, violated their oaths, destroyed any reputation or any uh, conception of their own ethics. And for what? That's why, yes, I see today there's this reporting, the Mueller probe, according to Matt Whitaker, who I actually have spoken to not, not long ago and didn't get him to get on the record about this then. Uh, but the Mueller probe is wrapping up soon, they say. I'm here to tell you the Mueller probe isn't wrapping up for at least two years because it was never about proving Trump colluded with anybody. Only morons think the president colluded with Russia. It was about hurting this administration and helping the Democrats. And unfortunately, it has been successful in that. There are some dates you have to remember when you're in a relationship, right? Birthdays, anniversaries. You know, Valentine's right around the corner, my friend. So when you're looking for the biggest and best quality roses out there, you've got to check out my friends at 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can get 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. This is an unbelievable offer from 1-800-Flowers. 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Just check it out for yourself, team. You're going to love it. The best roses, the best deals on roses you're going to get anywhere. To order 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more, 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon and enter code BUCK. Again, go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on that radio icon and enter code BUCK. Hurry, offer expires Wednesday, so you really want to check this out now. Great deal. I absolutely would look at undoing uh, the the uh, tax cuts that benefited uh, the super wealthy and benefited corporations. We also, as you know, Jake, we're going to have to look at other things, other ways of raising revenue. I am running to declare education is a fundamental right. And we will guarantee that right with universal pre-K and debt-free college. Up to $500 a month to help America's families make ends meet. And we'll pay for it. We'll pay for it by reversing this administration's giveaways to the top big corporations. There you have a preview of 2020, folks. Representative Joaquin Castro running for president. Senator uh, Kamala Harris running for president. And the, the short version of what they are promising is lots and lots of free stuff. Free stuff for everybody. Free stuff for everybody. Um, and who's going to pay for it? Rich people. Now, I could sit here and walk you through the numbers on, on the actual revenue that you would get from an income tax increase on the 1%. And keep in mind that the top 1%, I think, already pays, is it 20% of all federal income taxes? The top 10% pays, I think, 50. I mean, the numbers are, you know, don't take, I got to check those. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But I mean, the numbers are staggering. Essentially, the top 10% of income earners in the country pays a vast majority of federal income taxes. And the top 1% pays a very disproportionate share of all that, too. Now, 
Uh, I mentioned to you the idea of a wealth tax that Elizabeth Warren was going with. I think that that will fall because Democrats, very wealthy Democrats, don't like that. You see, if you're worth a billion dollars, you don't care what the marginal tax rate is. You, you don't care. It doesn't really matter to you. Maybe you care a little bit. Um, if you're worth, you know, a million dollars and you're making $200,000 a year, you care a lot what the tax rate is. Right? So this is why it's unfair when people say, oh, well, it's for the millionaires and the billionaires. First of all, how do you, qual- how do you uh, quantify somebody as a millionaire? Is that I've got a half million dollar house? I've got a two or three hundred thousand dollar four hundred one k and a couple hundred thousand dollars in savings. I mean, that's a well off person. Don't get me wrong. That's I'm I'm aspiring to that one day, uh, but that's not rich. That's not you don't work anymore. That's not you don't care about you know paying your bills. You send a kid or two to college and it's going to be pretty tight actually. So this is this is the realities of this versus the way that you get the Democrat mob all all fired up. These are very different, uh, very different things. Um, you know, they're promising all this free stuff without looking at what the numbers would be. And the truth is that if you want, and I'm uh, here we go. Producer Mike, thank you. Producer Mike always knows he's like, he's like, uh, you know, my, my, my stats sniper doing overwatch for me here. The top 1% paid 27.1% of all taxes in 2017. So roughly 30%, the top 1% paid about 30%. And that was, okay. uh, just so you know, 7.5 times the rate faced by the bottom 50% of taxpayers. Yep. There we go. So so Producer Mike's got that one. So, you know, when people say they need to pay their fair share, I just want to, what, what, is, their, what is their fair share? When, when Kamala Harris is talking about debt-free college, universal pre-K, $500 a month for America, Medicare for all. Medicare for all will destroy our economy. Look, I, I would love it if I... Could uh, if I could tell you that there's a way that we're going to pay for everybody's health insurance and it's going to be or everyone's health care. Forget health insurance. That's a misnomer. Everyone's health care and it'll be great health care and we'll all be fine and we'll all be happy. I'd be down. I'd love to walk into a doctor's office. I just went to the uh, I just went to the doctor last week. I had a sinus infection. See, I kept doing the show team, even though I had, I had a nasty sinus infection. And it gave me a Z pack and all that stuff. Oh, it was misery. Um, I will say a humidifier, though, really helps. Producer Mike, do you have a humidifier? DJ Brandon? Yeah, I used to use one. It actually is very helpful. It's really good. I it's one of those things one. you're like, come on, do I really? Oh, yeah, you need that. I'm, I'm a big humidifier fan now. You uh, um, just made my mother very happy because that's the first thing uh, she tells me when I have a cold. She says, do you have your humidifier going? You have to get the humidifier going. Your mother knows best, Mike. It's you true. know this. Producer Mike, listen listen to mama producer Mike. She knows what's up. <laughs> So, so I, I had a I had a, a sinus infection last week. You know, woe is me. Send me your sympathy. Uh, send me your sympathy. Facebook messages, team. I always like that. Uh, and and I go in there and they say, you know, your copay is eighty dollars. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just wondering, like, what would this visit be if I didn't have insurance? I think it was like hundred and thirty or hundred and forty. So I'm like, okay, so I'm basically covering 50% of the cost of the visit, and I have health insurance. Like, you know, at some point you start to look at this, you say, they're just move, they're just moving these pools of money around with no with no transparency, no accountability, and and that's if you're working and and trying to support yourself and pay for pay your own way with the system that we have. Just imagine what's going to happen to the system when all of a sudden government bureaucrats are deciding what kind of health care you get and where you get it and everything else. I mean, just imagine what that's going to look like and how expensive it's going to be 
Trillion dollar plus deficit this year. I think 1.2 trillion is what the estimate is. Over 21 trillion dollars now, or 21 trillion dollars roughly, uh, in total, in total debt. Um, you know, actually, here this is a fun experiment. U.S. debt clock, folks. I can do this while I'm on air live because you can go right to a site and we'll find out exactly what. Tw- yeah, okay. Oh no, I was a little bit off. 21 trillion. Nine hundred and sixty-four billion. We are almost at twenty-two trillion dollars, and the leading, at least in the media's eyes, the leading candidate for the Democrat nomination, the leading candidate, is saying free health care for everybody. We're just going to tax rich people, and a kind of secondary candidate. I mean, I think you're going to see Joaquin Castro probably as a VP. That's my early guess. Mark that one down, producer Mike. I'm going to be right on this one. He's going to be someone's VP. Uh, he's not. He's not big time enough to be at the top of the ticket, but I could see him very easily being someone's number two. Uh, someone. Someone's Mike Pence, if you will. And and uh, Kamala, the media really wants it to be her. But here, here's the thing about Kamala Harris. One is I, mean, I don't think she understands the numbers. I don't think she cares to understand the numbers. And what she's promising is just. It just won't materialize. It, it's just not realistic. You know, she's come out and she's now the 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 flavor of the moment for the media in terms of candidates for 2020. They're all so excited. Oh, Kamala Harris is going to be so wonderful, all this stuff. But they're going to have to prop her up like they propped Hillary up. She just doesn't have charisma, swagger. And, and her message is kind of a watered-down you know, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Ocasio-Cortez message. You know, it's this, yeah, you know, we're going to be a little bit more centrist, but we're still going to give you all this free stuff. We're still going to give you a lot of free stuff. And the truth is, I I just don't think that that's, I don't think that that is realistic. I don't think that that is anything that anyone can be promising the American people. Now, it's, it's all really just a lie, but it's a lie that will put people in power who think that lying to get them in power is, is completely fine. I mean, they think that there's nothing wrong with, with, with shading the truth a little bit on this issue and, uh, or, or just outright fabricating. That's what Harris is doing. More debt, more spending. The government does not spend our money wisely. Uh, that, that is for sure. And it doesn't have enough of our money to spend, despite its rapacious tax code for those of us who are trying to support ourselves, our families, and, and better our lives. Uh, government's making it harder all the time. Does not make it easier. But this is, this is going to be a very popular message with Democrats. Free everything. Look at Trump, the billionaire with his, quote, giveaways to the rich all the time, right? That's the, the reality, which is that most, most families in America under the Trump tax cut got a tax cut, okay? Most families. In fact, I think it's almost all families. Basically, if you pay taxes, you got a tax cut. Um, but the media doesn't care about that. They don't care what the truth is in the situation. It's so much more fun for them to go around uh, proposing that the only thing, and, and supporting those who propose that the only thing that holds us back from the candy land of free everything for everyone, unicorns and rainbows, is mean Republicans who have white privilege and are racist for supporting Trump and don't want to give up their money. Meanwhile, most of the Trump supporters I know uh, work really hard for either wages or running a small business and are just trying to do what's right and take care of themselves and their families. And they feel like they have the boot of government on their neck all the time. And they're always being told how easy it is for them. 
You know, if they're white males, they're told it's easy for them. They have privilege. If they're minorities, they, they're told, if they're Trump supporters, that they are traitors to the cause. So that's, that's really how the conversation is happening in this country right now. That's really the way that the breakdown with the Democrats is occurring. But, but we have more. Uh, stay with me, team. Healthcare. Every American deserves the right to have access to quality health care. But what the Democrats are proposing is something that is as false as the wall. And that is free health care for all, in which the country cannot afford. Oh, my gosh. What is this heresy? That is from Howard Schultz, who some of you may be familiar with as the the CEO of of Starbucks. Uh, is he the former CEO, producer Mike, or the current CEO? He's a current CEO, right? Maybe he's on the board now. I don't know. Whatever. He, he has been the CEO of, of Starbucks. I think he still is. Uh, so if you have enjoyed a $5, 500-calorie pumpkin spice latte in the last 24 hours, I know some of you have. Don't, don't play. A lot of you are like, oh, Buck, I would never. Oh, no, 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 no. I know some of you have. You know, you know who you are across America right now. Brandon, when was the last time you had a, a pumpkin spice latte? Never. Brandon. You are under. I don't drink lattes. I'm not a latte guy. You know what I found out recently was really made me sag. I'm I'm actually uh, I'm down about seven pounds already since I decided to stop eating chocolate five times a day and actually start working out again. Um, Is that uh, lattes are uh, they're not it's not not good. If you're watching the waist, you know, you get a whole milk latte. It's like like 250 calories. It's not a not a friendly, friendly thing for your waistline. but if you add the pumpkin spice and all the all that's, I mean, it, it gets to be, you might as well have a chocolate milkshake. Uh, now, I mean, some of you, I'm sure, have rock hard abs and, you know, are, are in perfect health despite your pumpkin la- pumpkin spice latte consumption. But for the rest of us, I got to avoid those things. That was always why I thought there was some big juice, kind of blended juice company that came out for a while. And I was like, this company might actually do pretty well. And then people realized that juice is, from a glycemic index perspective, terrible for you. Uh, sorry, Schultz was CEO in 2017. So he was CEO until recently. Producer Mike just gave me that one. Uh, probably probably also realizes that I should stop talking about how high glycemic index foods and all that. Uh, but yeah, juice, stay away from it. I actually have unsweetened cranberry juice at home, which I like. It's got a, little, it's got a real tartness to it. I highly recommend. Still has some sugar in it, by the way. All right, get the train back on the track here. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Mike. 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 See. See. Mike's looking out for you at home. See. He's. He's like Buck. Stay on task. Okay. I actually had a juice today too. That's why I'm laughing. It's pretty. Oh. Funny. Oh. Yeah. See. You're probably one of those cold pressed juice guys paying eleven. Paying eleven dollars for some oh, kale and some apples. I'm in, the, I'm in the wrong line of work, man. I need to open up a juice shop somewhere in the middle of nowhere. I'll do great. Oh man. Tell me about it. My my whole thing was for a long time I wanted to open a grill a, a chain of grilled cheese stores and then one I became celiac and two somebody else beat me to it so. Because grilled cheese is very versatile. I think I made that for myself more than anything else growing up. All right, Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz. Mike Mike got me on track. So Schultz here is, uh, he was CEO in 2017. He's talking about running a third-party centrist Democrat candidacy for president. And the libs are losing their minds over it. I mean, it is absolutely fantastic. I really really enjoy it and uh you know it's it's good stuff because 
here here's Neera Tandon, who was at the Center for American Progress, very close to Hillary, uh, was very close to Hillary. She responded to this guy Schultz saying he might run with the following tweet. Okay, she's a this is a very connected pro Hillary, uh, you know, kind of DC power broker type, and she she wrote that vanity projects that help destroy democracy are disgusting. If Schultz enters the race, I will start a Starbucks boycott because I'm not giving a penny that will end up in the election coffers of a guy who will help Trump win. Wow. Uh, Producer Mike, can you do you you want to try to explain why a very prominent connected lib thinks that a candidate running within our system is destroying democracy? To me, it just sounds like more options in democracy. I, I don't I don't really get that. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is that he's a businessman. He's not a politician. He's not. Therefore, he's not really part of their inner circle the way they are. Yeah, you make you make a, you make a fair point here. Yeah, they I, hate, I really think that's it. I mean, they, they look hate at him actual and, capitalists. I mean, I really yeah. think that their their favorite thing they like. I mean, Democrats like career politicians. They like community activists and organizers. You know, they want people that they feel have been in the cause for a very long time. Uh, they are not comfortable with people who have had to deal with the realities of the free market. That's I'm not saying they never are, but in general for their political. But just look at look at who they elect: Barack Obama, n- not private sector; Hillary Clinton, not private sector; John Kerry, not private sector; Al Gore, not private. I mean, you just go down the list. None of these people ever have real jobs. None of these people have had to compete for dollars and interests and audience and consumers they just had to compete in the bs olympics of being left-wing democrats say the right stuff you know adopt the right posture and you know people will support you You know that's really all it comes down to for them there's nothing real about a lot of their their candidates attachments to capitalism other than their huge benefit we're all huge beneficiaries of it but they do not like the CEO types. I just thought that was funny, though. Yeah, Schultz is destroying democracy because he's a billionaire who wants to run for president. Like, why is that destroying democracy? It, it's 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 remarkable stuff. By the way, hey, producer Mike, fun fact: we're gonna get you on the hot seat with this one. Yeah. What do you, what do you think Elizabeth Warren's estimated net worth is? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. That's a good. Just question. throw. I mean, it, it's not. We you know we don't have an exact number, but just take a guess, man. What do you think? Um, hundred million. No, Mike. That's Hillary Clinton. Elizabeth Warren is worth between twelve and twenty million. They say, but she's rich. She's rich. So yeah, Hillary's worth a hundred million. Um, who else? Pelosi's worth like forty to sixty million. You know, Warren they say is worth twelve to twenty million. Um, something in that range. And no one really knows. I mean, you know, you don't really know. Oh, actually, no. You have to give financial disclosure. So we probably have a pretty good. But it's usually in a range, right? That's why I say twelve to twenty million. But she's rich. She's rich. That's the point. She's running around talking about how she's a big socialist. Meanwhile, she's wealthy. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Mike, how many houses does Bernie Sanders have? Between oh. one and five. Uh, what, was the, what was the options? Between one and five. Oh. How many houses does Sanders have? Five. Three. Okay. Close, though. Three three houses. Bernie has three. I mean, can, Mike, do you want to be a so? If we, if I give you three houses, will you consider socialism? Free everything, man. Free everything. I want free everything. Yeah, it's awesome. 
I mean, you know, if, if free everything means I get free healthcare and three houses, I'm yeah. all about it. It's but the, you uh, see, Schultz is already anathema to them because he has run a business and knows at some level what can and can't work. And he and a, they absolutely positively do not want to hear anybody who can read a balance sheet say that universal health care is impossible, that it would bankrupt us. They just they, they cannot have somebody involved in the discussion among the left on the Democratic side of things who's going to say that. So they're, they're going to throw him under the bus. But man, they were there was like panic going on with this thing. There was panic because Schultz, they're saying, will automatically make sure that Trump gets gets reelected. They want to make sure they have a clear field to run a progressive socialist type in uh, in 2020. That's it. A progressive socialist. Any, anybody else is is completely um, outside of ex- outside of acceptable. I mean, they, they don't want to hear it. They don't want anything to do with it. And, uh, you know, there you have it. Um, so we'll have to see, folks. We'll have to see. I'm uh, I am hopeful. Mike, who's your favorite Democrat that could be the nominee? Uh, Beto. Good call. Yeah. Uh, I don't Good think there's call. any doubt. I think a lot of people are saying today, we actually had this discussion in the office, and people were saying, you know, Beto would be a good partner for Biden. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Biden's that's a right. loser. Biden one. and Pajama Boy. Yeah. That's, that's what it's going to be, man. But no, I right, think we got a quick be, break, think, team. We'll be, uh, we'll be back hands in, down. I don't, I don't we'll be back in uh, just a moment. You are now entering the Freedom Hunt Tactical Operations Center. All sensitive programs must be kept strictly need to know. Team Buck is cleared. Roger that. And ready for the Buck Brief. As you know, on January the 23rd, President Trump officially recognized the president of the Venezuelan National Assembly, Juan Guaido, as the interim president of Venezuela. Venezuela's National Assembly uh, invoked Article 233 of the country's constitution to declare Nicolas Maduro illegitimate. This action was a statement that the people of Venezuela have had enough of oppression, corruption, and economic hardship. We also today call on the Venezuelan military and security forces to accept the peaceful, democratic, and constitutional transfer of power. And to a certain extent, this has already begun. So we are now in the midst of watching a a showdown in Venezuela between the Maduro, uh, the Maduro government and uh, uh, Guaido and the big issue that comes to the front right away is what's the military going to do? There are already reports from down in Venezuela that you have a real separation within the military ranks from uh, the officer corps who live pretty well and are well taken care of, especially the more senior officers are well taken care of um, by the uh, regime versus the rank and file soldiers who are just despondent with how their country is falling apart and how their friends and neighbors and they themselves are are economically suffering. I mean, the deprivation in Venezuela is very real. Now now you've got the left. I mean, Ilhan Omar, that new uh, representative in Congress, is saying, you know, oh, there's essentially either trying to run a little cover for the Maduro regime or saying that we're somehow the problem here. I mean, this is the left's go-to. It's always their reaction. Uh, Mike Pompeo over at State, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, was saying 
Look, all countries need to come together on this one. Play eight. The United States is helping to recover a brighter future for Venezuela. We're here to urge all nations to support the democratic aspirations of the Venezuelan people as they try to free themselves from former President Maduro's illegitimate mafia state. The humanitarian situation demands action now. It demands action today. It does demand action now. The question is from whom? Very interesting graphic that I saw, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, that showed the breakdown of which countries around the world right now are essentially pro-Maduro and which countries are pro-Guaido. And what you find out very quickly is that, well, and, and then there's a little bit of in between. The EU, except for Great Britain, is wants a new round of elections. So they're not taking a position. They want another round of elections in Venezuela. Um, The entirety of North and South America, with the exceptions of Cuba, Nicaragua, and Bolivia, leftist despotic crap regimes in all three countries. Uh, Despotic is a little harsh maybe for Bolivia, but certainly the case in Cuba and increasingly the case in Nicaragua. but all the all the countries except for those three in North and, and South America, and I think Mexico wants elections, but the rest of them are all essentially on on Guaido's side. And then you look around the world. Who still supports Maduro? China, Russia, the Iranians, uh, much of the Muslim world, uh, South Africa. Who supports Guaido in the Middle East? Oh, what a shock. Israel, right? So you, you see this separation between the the free world and the not as free or not free world playing out with the way different countries interact with or see this this crisis that is that is in Venezuela. Um, you know, I, I look at this also as, as an interesting teachable moment, if you will, for the world. What happens when you have an authoritarian socialist regime in place? It can dest- it can absolutely destroy a country. It used to be that Venezuelans were running across the, or rather that Colombians were running across the border into Venezuela to be the cooks and maids and whatever jobs they could because Venezuela had oil money and was doing pretty well. And now you have millions of Venezuelans have fled the country. A couple million more will flee the country based on the projections. And they're running across the border into Colombia now, seeking whatever jobs they can. Unfortunately, many of them are being uh, very much abused as a result of the uh, urgency of their situation, the desperation of their situation. So I, I just think it's interesting at this time in this country, when we're having a conversation about whether there should be a, a pretty radical rethink of the relationship between citizen and state, a, a radical rethink of certainly of our economic guideposts of the, of the foundation of the uh, American economy and the open class warfare and demonization of the rich that the left is engaging in. And you can tell that some some libs get a little uncomfortable with this because they like to be friends with the rich libs. They, they don't want to make all the all the libs feel bad out there. Right. They, I mean, the rich ones, they, they want them to feel like they're still a part of the party um, in, in, in all senses of the word. But there's a lot of this soak the rich mentality coming out of out of the Democrat and Democrats in this country. Uh, and a lot of this, the state will pay for everything. And, and here's here's the problem. We're going to run a trillion dollar deficit this year, over a trillion dollar deficit. We're spending too much money. OK, 
We are spending too much money. It's a really fun conversation to have about how we should just give more stuff, you know, free college, free health care, free housing, all this free stuff, which you've heard uh, Kamala Harris and others saying this, right? This is their pitch now to the American people. It's just we're going to tax really rich people, more stuff that the government's going to give you. Um, but what, when the, what happens when the math doesn't add up? What happens when the numbers go against you? Well, you got a real problem. And we are not that far away from that being a problem for us. We are not that far away from this turning into a situation where uh, we cannot sustain our obligations to our own citizens. And what you see in Venezuela is obviously a very, very far down the road version of what can happen when a state is no longer able to meet its obligations. But we are actually on that pathway. It might be 50 years away, but we are currently on a trajectory to unsustainable public debt and massive economic crisis. And everyone has known this for many years. It is one of the criticisms of this administration and of the Republican Party that we we have to be honest about. You know, nobody wants to hear me going on radio or doing anything else day after day saying we are we are at a crisis level with our debt. But it's true. It's true. And we seem to take all the wrong lessons out of Venezuela once again, or at least the Democrats, I should say, take all the wrong lessons out of Venezuela, which is, oh, they just didn't do authoritarian socialism well enough. No, I think they did it exactly the way that it's going to get done. And that's what the libs just refuse to understand. It's hard battling libs all the time, right? It gets tiring. I don't get enough sleep sometimes. I get grumpy. But you know what cures my bad attitude in the mornings when I haven't gotten enough sleep because I have to take the fight to the progressive maniacs? A delicious cup of Black Rifle coffee. Look, I am a coffee drinker. I'm kind of a coffee snob. Black Rifle coffee is delicious. This is premium, small batch, roast-to-order coffee delivered to your door. I don't buy coffee anymore. I get Black Rifle coffee delivered. Check it out. Make it part of your routine. Also, by the way, see the gear they have. I've got a few of their t-shirts. They've got great hats, although my head's too big for hats. But the t-shirts I love. Check it out for yourself. Wake up with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck and receive 15% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. Again, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off your first order. This is a particularly appalling example of the kind of nastiness and hatred and viciousness that you see from very uh, well-known, highly paid, and at least in left-wing circles, highly regarded media figures. Now, there's a very straightforward narrative about what really happened when the Covington High School kids were, remember, let's set this up properly. They, they were the ones confronted by Nathan Phillips and the black Israelites, okay? The adults chose to confront the kids after verbally abusing the kids. The kids did nothing in response that they should apologize for. There's anything, anything bad about what they did, despite what the media said. Looking at somebody is not a crime. Looking at somebody is not something that anyone should have to apologize for when they're just minding their own business and someone walks up to them and starts banging a drum in their face. 
And I was talking to uh, Howie Kurtz on his Fox News show about this on Sunday. The clip's up on Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to see it. Um, but pretty straightforward. I mean, the media is just wrong on this issue. And then not, it's not enough to be horrifically wrong when they didn't have the full context. Then when they were clearly wrong, you know, the New York Times wrote this profile on the black Israelites that referred to them as, you know, like like street preachers that are trying to bring a, a holy message or something like these guys are are maniacs. And I, and I really mean that. I mean, they're if you walk past them with your children, you would want to like hold your children close and walk much more quickly. They're, they're crazy. OK, what they say is disgusting. They're they're intellectually a joke. The black Israelites, the, the Hebrew Israelites, I've heard them called different things, whatever they call themselves. Um, they're a joke. They're a disgrace. But the Times wrote about them like they were doing an essay on some, you know, re- reform movement in French politics or something. You know, they, they really treated them like they're worthy of, of respect and 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 should at least get a fair hearing for their views. Meanwhile, the media still still comes after the Covington kids with the nastiest stuff imaginable. I mean, here's what uh, what 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 Bill Maher who, you know, occasionally on free speech and on Islam, I, I, you know, I have to say, because you'll say, oh, Buck, well, sometimes you have nice things to say about Bill Maher. I have nice things to say about his content occasionally. I don't know the man personally, and I think a lot of what he does is, is an absolute disgrace. Um, but occasionally, you know, he'll say something that's pretty on the money, at least for a liberal. But then he also says things that are absolutely horrific. And that this guy, you know, he, he is considered... A, a an important media property at HBO. The executives at HBO, I can tell you this right now, if they knew my views, some of them, I don't know all the executives there, would, would be like, ah, we can't do that. He's, he's too conservative. You know, he, he's he's problematic for advertisers or, or he's he's just just because I'm a conservative, not because I'm I mean, I'm about as, you know, sponsor and, and corporate friendly as I think a, a, an actual conservative can be. Um, but Bill Maher, meanwhile, can say this. And we had to clean it up and bleep some things, obviously. But I, I want you to hear the full context of it, or rather for a, a good chunk of, of the of the uh, of the clip. Bill Maher can go on his show and say this, and he will not lose a single sponsor. He will not be chided by the mainstream media. None of that will happen. None of it. Play clip one. I don't blame the kid, the smirking kid. I blame lead poisoning. <laughs> And bad parenting. And oh, yeah, I blame that kid. What a little <laughs> smirk face. Smirk face says, please. Like, that's not a move at any age to stick your face in this elderly man. And this smirking kid says he was just trying to diffuse the situation. But really? You know what? Next time you get into a fight with your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, uh, try that. Try, <laughs> try getting two inches from their face with a eating grin and see if it diffuses the situation. <laughs> yes? <laughs> You ask me, this kid should have done what everyone does during a drum solo. Leave. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time, I must tell you, around Catholic school children. (laughs) But I do not get what Catholic priests see in these kids. I mean, just just disgusting, right? All of it. Not, Not clever, not funny. 
he's making fun of a 15-year-old kid on, on a TV program that has millions of viewers, and he's cursing about him, you know, saying that he's got bad parents and all this stuff. You know, I wonder what he was saying about Trayvon Martin when that whole thing happened. Since people have brought that in here and said, oh, it's because these kids... See, this is one of these liberal fallacies. They like to play this game of, it's because these kids are white that they've been treated so gently. And I sit here and say, gently? They've had almost had their lives ruined. They're getting Their parents are getting death threats. They're getting death threats. Their school has to have armed security now. They didn't do anything wrong, and you're going to compare it to Trayvon Martin, who was acting like a thug and tried to bash somebody's head into the sidewalk and got shot because he got into a fight. I don't care who you are. If you start bashing somebody's head into the sidewalk, and I'm not saying Zimmerman's not a punk and he wasn't asking for it or whatever. I'm not even getting into it. doesn't matter. If you start bashing somebody's head into the sidewalk and you're on top of them, pummeling them, and they have a gun, they're going to shoot you. It's actually not racial. It's self-preservation. But the media likes to make this comparison. People like to say, oh, the Covington kids, they're, they're lucky they're not, they're, they're lucky they're not minorities. Really? If they were minorities, this wouldn't have been a story. It was only a story because they were wearing MAGA hats and had just come from a March for Life rally and are Catholic school kids. And a lot of them are probably middle or upper middle class. And that's why it's a story. And we all know it. Because the media sees this and they just, like a bull that sees red, they just get enraged. So somehow the left takes the exact opposite of the truth as a lesson from this, which is that, oh, well, it's easier. They're having an easier time on this because they're white. No, it's only a story. This story that the media tried to use to ruin their lives was only a story because... It was only a story because they are white kids. Therefore, the media treated them with hostility under these circumstances. But, you know, Bill Maher get away with saying all this stuff and people are clapping and laughing. And it's a 15. They're talking about a 15 year old kid. Could you imagine how it would feel if you were a little if you were a high school sophomore and or, or a freshman and some TV pundit was saying that you were a smirk and you're a little, you know, a POS and a, a bad person and all this other stuff? You know, that, that, that's going to follow these kids around, even though they didn't do anything wrong. Whenever you Google Nick Sandman, this is going to come up probably for the rest of his life. And the media just thinks that this is such a big, funny game. They were completely wrong. They acted like jerks. And now they're acting like even bigger jerks. They're a disgrace. They're a disgrace. And I, I, would, I would recommend to you, if you have not already gotten a chance to, to read it, Charles Cook has a a piece in the media in, in the uh, National Review um, on National Review online that is one of the best pieces of editorial writing I've read in a very long time, where he just he just dismantles he dismantles the national press. He goes after the MSM, but in a way that really only Charles can, because he's not yelling, he's not shouty, he's not all caps. You know, they're terrible. They're I hate them. Uh, no, he's just saying, this is what they do. This is how they do it. And then they turn around and they look at us and say, you know, why don't you trust us or why don't you believe us? The media is full of libs who are activists. They're not journalists. They aren't honest about what they're doing or who they are. They don't understand their own biases. They are very self-indulgent and self-righteous. 
And they all want to agree with each other and think like each other and be patted on the back by each other all the time. They, they think they're the cool kids in the cafeteria. And they're just a disgrace. They're wrong over and over again. They say, why, why, are, you, why are you so upset about us being wrong? Of course we're upset about you being wrong. I, I, I really can't do this, uh, this, this Charles Cook piece justice by talking about it. Um, you, really, you really have to go check it out for yourself. You know, how often do I tell you to read this piece? I mean, I've put it up on um, I've put it up on my Facebook. I've retweeted it many times. Uh, it's called um, How the Media Fail. And and it's it's a, it's an astonishingly good piece of writing. Uh, I, I cannot recommend it to you more because he really makes it. The title on the piece is Bad Press, but it's about how the media the subtitles, how the media fail. And, um, oh, let me give you the beginning, actually. Here you go. I'll actually read you a little. This piece is so good, I want to read a little bit of it to you. This is by our friend Charles Cook at National Review. Our national press is a national joke. Vain, languid, excitable, morbid, duplicitous, cheap, insular, mawkish, and possessed of a chronic self-obsession that would have made Dorian Gray blush. It rambles around the United States in neon pants, demanding congratulation for its travails. Not since Florence Foster Jenkins have Americans been treated to such an excruciating example of self-delusion. The most vocal among the press corps ranks uh, cast themselves openly as firefighters when, at worst, they are pyromaniacs and, at best, they are obsequious asbestos salesmen. You never get it right, do you? Sybil Fawlty told Basil and Fawlty Towers. You're either crawling all over them, licking their boots, or spitting poison at them like some Benzedrine puff adder. There's a great deal of space between apologists and bet noir. In the newsrooms of America, that space is empty, and it's getting worse. It's one of the best, this is bad press. If you go on, type in National Review and Bad Press, one of the best pieces of writing I've, I've written in a very long time. Charles just, Charles just hit a, a complete home run with it, and I recommend it to uh, all of you. Um, and with that, friends, we have a quick break. I will be right back. You've probably heard of the AARP. You know, you might know somebody or you yourself might already be a member. But did you know that the AARP is kind of like the CNN of organizations that are advocating for seniors? I got an idea. Why don't you go with the conservative alternative, the Fox News, if you will, of AARP world, and that's AMAC, okay? AMAC is the organization that I recommend because it was founded by an Air Force veteran for giving all the benefits you get from AMAC and advocating for seniors while also advocating for conservative pro-American policies, okay? You get discounts on all kinds of things, car insurance, hotels, roadside assistance, but you know that you're part of an organization that aligns with your values. Stand with AMAC as they fight the good fight. Become a member today. Join right now at amac.us slash buck. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash buck. AMAC is better. Better for you. Better for America. Speaking of double standards in the media, this one was a doozy over the over the weekend when I saw this and I made uh, some noise about it online on Twitter. And I saw that Donald Trump Jr. and and other folks uh, picked up once I had pushed it out there. Uh, You know, there is this there's really this game that the media plays that they have their partisans, but then they have their straight news people who are who are in every way facilitating 
the activists on the left who are also kind of pretending to be journalists, but are really just straight up activists. But I think the most disingenuous, the most dishonest people in media are the partisan, quote, nonpartisan journalists. Right. The one the ones that are that are holding themselves up as, you know, not uh, not in any way pushing an agenda, just bringing you the facts. And I think that among the very most egregious examples of this is CNN's Jake Tapper, who those of you who listen to the show know, I find to be a bad person uh, from both personal interactions with him as well as interactions that he's had with other people that I know in this business. Uh, He makes a big show of how honest and fair he is all the time. You know, I think he doth protest his fairness too much. Uh, And also is always, oh, you know, he just... You know, you, you can't you can't tell him not to love our veterans as much as he possibly can. It's like we get it, Jake. It's very brand enhancing for you to talk about how much you love the veteran community all the time and attach yourself to veteran issues all the time. You're not a veteran. Lots of people support veterans like slow, slow your roll a little bit with the self-congratulatory stuff. OK, it's 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 a little too much. But nobody will say this stuff, which I think is so they'll all say it privately. At least among conservatives in the media. I mean, I can't speak about libs. They'll say it privately, the ones who know this guy. Um, But they also won't deal with the double standards that are enforced with the kind of media, the mainstream media darlings who are judged by this different standard. Here is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So on Friday, Tapper has this little show and he's got he often has very stupid people on his panel. Um, So it's unsurprising that it turns into just. It's, it's a boring show that people should not watch, and most people who have a choice don't. Uh, but they were talking about Roger Stone. And this little comment, this little comment was made to a little bit of chuckling and hee-hee-hee on the set. Play it. The truth is no one's going to cry if Roger Stone goes to jail or when he goes to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he might like it. But <laughs> he might. He, who knows? He might like it. Now. There are a couple of ways that I think people might might hear this and take this right away. One of them is, and this is the the more insidious one, is that there have been longstanding rumors. I'm not saying they're true. I'm not saying I, I you know, know or don't know. I just know that there are rumors out there and uh, that perhaps Roger Stone's sexuality is in question. People say that, whether it's just mean whispering or I have no idea and I don't care. Um, but people say that. So is this a, a homophobic thing that, that Jake Tapper just pulled with the like, oh, well, maybe he's actually secretly gay. So if he goes to prison, I mean, think about that, folks. This is the this is the, the Mr. Self-Righteous Media guy just says this on a show and people go, oh, you know, uh, is that is that supposed to be OK? You know, I'm, where's the LGBTQ community on this? Because I saw them calling out conservatives and I agree with them for calling out conservatives who said things like, you know, Roger Stone is going to like prison. John Potteritz said it, or Podoritz, or however you say Podoritz, right? Uh, he said it, uh, or wrote it, and then deleted it. And was like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have made any kind of joke about that. Because he got piled on. Where's the pile on on Jake? Why isn't anyone piling on fake Jake? He said it on a show. Everyone knows about it that was watching. Nothing? Okay. Now, maybe you said to me, Buck, he doesn't he doesn't know about those rumors. That's not what he was saying. You know, if you're a real Tapper apologist or whatever, you, you could take that. Okay. All right. M- maybe that's all true. But here's the other part of this. R- really, this guy, Roger Stone, I know he's a weirdo and ha ha ha. Everyone loves to laugh at what a weirdo is. And look, there is some humor to this guy. And I think he embraces that. But he's facing seven felony counts. He could go to prison for years. 
You're a stra- you're a so-called straight news reporter. You know, no, just just the facts, just down the middle, not, you know, not reporting with any fear or favor. And somebody who's an advisor or has been a political advisor and confidant of the president for a long time is going to prison. And you're going to make a joke on your show about how maybe he's going to like it. I don't think that he's going to like time in federal prison. And I think that a news anchor saying that on his show, even as like a little passing quip, is one, incredibly stupid, not funny. But Jake is not funny at all. He's really smug and nasty. Uh, But, you know, he can be unfunny on his own show. That's his own prerogative. But beyond that, doesn't it show the very clear hostility? I mean, go back and look at fake Jake when people were talking about lock her up for Hillary. He didn't think that was he didn't think that was funny. And Hillary broke the law and, and should have been prosecuted. But perhaps that's a conversation that we'll return to another time. I'm sure we will. But I'm, I have a sense that he saw no humor in any of that. Didn't didn't give the benefit of the doubt to people that just wanted to chant it because they thought it was kind of funny because Hillary and Bill Clinton are criminals unindicted criminals that is what that is what the democratic party has offered us up with an eight-year interlude for basically my entire adult life for who our leadership should be two criminals hillary and bill uh, but you know doesn't see the doesn't see the humor when it's republicans only sees it as funny when uh, republicans chanting but sees it funny as uh, when there's a an opportunity to say that maybe a senior citizen who could be locked in a cell for the rest of his life or at least for a good portion of the rest of his life uh, maybe he'll like it he 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 what just what a snide nasty jerk not just tapper but the whole crew these days that's around him over at cnn just gross but people are afraid they're afraid because of their careers they're afraid to upset tapper or cooper or you know, Stephanopoulos, oh, don't say anything bad about them. I don't care. I'll say bad things about them because they deserve it. Why did you help me in the bar that night? What was I supposed to do? I had to get involved. It is what it is, I guess. You know, it's almost like you were happy for the excuse. So that's from the new season of Marvel's The Punisher. You know, I, I don't talk that much about pop culture on the show because I've got other things that I need to discuss with you and other areas where I have a, a greater degree of, of earned expertise instead of just experiential expertise. In the case of superhero movies, my experiential expertise is I watch a lot of them and TV shows. Um, I watch a good amount of them at least. But this this thing with the Punisher is just too much. It, it's a pretty well done. I thought the first season, the writing got a little slow and sloppy, but it's very it's well executed. The lead guy, I forget his name, who plays the Punisher, he's good. But it's just classic, man. I, I wanted to watch it this past weekend, and I know what I'm in for, right? The Punisher, a lot of action, a lot of, you know, good guy killing bad guys and all kinds of cool guns. And, you know, it's it's an action comic you know, hero, right? That that's what, you know what you're getting with the Punisher. He's ruthless with the bad guys, which is what we want him to be. Turns out, though, that Netflix, which some of you have already found out, figured out, is in fact very liberal, very left-wing, has a huge production deal with Barack Obama, just like Jay Carney is a huge voice at Amazon Prime now or Amazon Studios or whatever they call it. 
Netflix, just like HBO, very liberal, very left-wing, and they make a Punisher series or the Punisher season about a guy. And I, ha- to be fair, I have not finished it. I'm about four or five episodes out of the ten or so, and I'm not going to finish it because I already know what's going on. The bad guy, the 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 people that the Punisher has to kill um, are a bunch of right-wing Christian fundamentalists who are alt-right and are worried that one of them is being blackmailed by Russia because he's gay. This is the kind of storyline that I would come up with if I were trying to make fun of the sorts of storylines that liberals write for entertainment, for Hollywood purposes. But this is real. This is something that they have actually done, and I just find it so annoying. Can't we just have a Punisher that is going to kill evil mafiosos and terrorists and cartel leaders? There are so many truly bad and evil people, not just in the world, but that we can all relate to wanting a, a superhero who can meet them on their own terms and defeat them, right? I mean, a superhero like the Punisher, the reason... The Punisher has this appeal is that unlike Superman, who is obviously good and full of, of uh, kindness and decency and just protects the innocent and the weak, uh, the Punisher lights up the bad guys. You know, the Punisher, when you surrender, probably is still going to put a bullet in you. And this is part of the whole thing, right? When, when you're a really bad guy, the Punisher doesn't do what they do in all these movies where the hero is like, I'm not going to finish you off. You know, even though I can. And then, of course, the bad guy has to reach for the gun one last time. And then the hero gets to finish him off. Oh, look at that. No, they have to make this some commentary on Trump and the alt-right and Christians. You know, the anti-Christian bigotry on the left is so apparent. And yet I know all these people who say, I'm so Christian and I'm a Democrat. And I want to say, does it bother you that your political party spits on your faith on a regular basis? Because it does. You can try to convince yourself otherwise, but there is a tremendous hostility on the left and among the mainstream Democratic Party now toward those of Christian belief. And I just don't know how that's not more bothersome to people who consider themselves Christians and who are Democrats. Uh, But, you know, I, I can't get in their heads. I can, however, just tell you that this Punisher series is crap and it's very frustrating that the politics of the left have infected Netflix now, too. I can't even watch a superhero show without getting a lecture from the loony progressives. Show ain't over yet, folks. It's time for Roll Call. Indeed, the show is not over yet. It is Roll Call time. And if you want to get your... Thoughts out there in the roll call, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. That's the way to, uh, that's the way to do it. And we'll start with Brian. He comes at us with, hey, Buck, great podcast last week. Was listening while on a business trip in Ecuador and driving to from a uh, location in some sketchy areas. Did a lot of nice business dinners in the uh, nice area of town on the other side of the bridge. Felt like I was in Boca Raton when I was there and all the government media socialites live in there. The difference between the have and the have-nots was so stark and the middle class non-existent. Anyway, we're out, while out for dinner one night at a restaurant, a nice restaurant, the Hilton, uh, I was reminded of CNN's undeserved grasp on the media in South America. 
I think it is time Team Buck Spearheads a Polite changed the channel from CNN campaign in every public area it is on to address this enemy of truth network. Be it respectfully asking the proprietor of a business if they can simply put another news network on. If they're allowed to, which likely not, and they ask what channel, the response from us should be MSNBC, Fox, CBS, anything but these clowns. It's important to not start suggestion with Fox, as they will then think you only have conservative preferences. No, we just don't want CNN. CNN. Make uh, change in small doses to stop this network from spreading lies around the world and pushing false narratives. Uh, Brian, I think CNN is the enemy of truth. I really have said that for a long time. And and so I like your idea. I like your suggestion. And I do think that we would all be better off as a country if we would stop thinking that uh, dishonest liberals somehow equals actual news, right? That, That all you have to be is a dishonest liberal and that's equivalent to being a centrist and objective voice. No, I'd rather have liberals and conservatives, which I would note is the way it goes in the UK and their Labour Party uh, news media organizations, Tory news media organizations, you know, conservative, liberal, you go through all this stuff. America is the one country that has this Oh, we're just the honest. We're just the honest press. It's a massive fraud. It's not true. It does not exist. It doesn't mean that there aren't honest people working in the press. It just means that the concept of a completely neutral, nonpartisan news media is largely a fabrication. It it does not exist. And we should all understand that. Uh, Bob writes, Buck, being of CIA background, Is there a possibility that Pompeo, Bolton and Abrams are putting in their Venezuelan puppet as the agency has done so many times in the past because of the true underlying commercial benefit? Hasn't the puppet CIA back in history always resulted in someone uh, bad? And lastly, the false laughable allegation that Trump is a Russian spy or puppet as he's as he strongly backs uh, uh, Guaido is highly contrasting. Russians backing of Maduro, as always, shields high. Um, Bob, yeah, look, there's a lot of people that, especially on the issue of of coups in Latin and Central America, South America, uh, they freak out about the CIA all the time. Uh, This is not, uh, in in my opinion, this has nothing to do with any U.S. machinations behind the scenes. Um, We're doing stuff in the scenes or in front of the scenes. We're obviously taking financial action against the Maduro regime and but, I mean, the Venezuelan people, there are hundreds of thousands of them marching in the streets. They've lost 25 pounds on average the last year. Now, th- that's a lot of weight when you consider that a lot of these people didn't have a ton of weight to lose to begin with. 25 pounds, and they call it the Maduro diet, and it's, it's just slow starvation. That's what's going on there. So this is not some American plot or coup. And I know that as an ex-CIA guy, I guess people would expect me to say that, but it really isn't. The CIA is not as cool or proactive as many leftist anti-American types pretend they believe the CIA is. They kind of know it, too, but it just is a useful boogeyman for their purposes. Nicole, next up here, she writes, Ever notice how young libs act like Harry Potter or something that actually happened? They freak out at a point in the book when a professor stops allowing them to learn self-defense And the same woman later is using government authority to take away wizards' wands when she deems them unworthy. This is because they understand that this means she is deliberately making people defenseless for something bad that is about to go down in the book. But here in the real world, they are super anti-gun and ask, why would you even need a gun? 
very similar to a line from the evil character above in the book, yet they see no irony in this conflict in their beliefs. Apparently, you can only defend yourself if you are fictional. Nicole, I have no idea about any of this Harry Potter stuff. I have never read, and I, I perhaps say this with a bit of pride, I have never read any Harry Potter books. I know many, many people love them. It, it's not my thing. Uh, Miss Molly loves the Harry Potter movies. I, I am not. I've seen one or two of the movies, maybe only one in full length, and I have never read any of the books. So got to plead, not the fifth, but I guess plead ignorance on the plot of this. But you apparently know it, so there you have it. Uh, next up here, Chris. He writes, sorry, sometimes it takes a moment to load the note. Buck, love the show. One thing you never hear is that all Western examples, which means all countries anybody ever quoted, would not exist or ever be quoted as standard bearers for socialism if America didn't guarantee their safety and survival. So many Euro states, including Canada, have given up any grown-up level of responsibility for their own safety. Anybody can promise free stuff and look better than a responsible country as long as they don't have to pay for defense. We, as Americans, have infantilized the rest of the world. We are reaping what we have sowed, meaning, well, sowed. Okay, Chris, uh, thank you very much for your note, man. Yeah, look, the, the socialism debate is going to get very hot going into this election because people have finally realized, or the Democrats have finally been pretty honest about the fact that they are a, a socialist party, and they it's just a, a question of, what kind of socialist, but the Democrats are effectively a socialist party. Um, so there's that. Bernie Sanders says that he's not a Democrat, he's a socialist. I would say that the Democratic Party are not Democrats, they're socialists. They just don't know it yet. Uh, now, Katie writes, Hey Buck, thanks again for a great show Friday. To my point, when Pelosi says walls are immoral, even though her property is walled, I roll my eyes. When the Pope says it, that burns me up. Have you ever visited the Vatican? Not only does Francis have a wall, security is tighter than TSA or even some presidential rallies I've been to. Good grief. Thanks for letting me vent a little, Katie. Yes, Katie, and he has the, uh, the Swiss guards in the very colorful attire. Attire somewhat similar to what would have been worn by the Landsknecht mercenaries of Germany, who in fact saved Christendom from invasion by the Islamic horde of the Ottoman Empire in the first siege of Vienna. But that's a story for another time. Uh, yes, it is true that the Vatican has walls. It is true that they have security. And it's very easy to play open borders uh, saints when none of the consequences fall on your head. You know, it's very easy to say these things. Jim, Buck, you are a beacon of light in what are sometimes very dark shifts at my work. I work for a towing company in downtown New Haven. Listening to your show helps me not only get through my shift, but with a smile on my face. Your wealth of knowledge of policy, history, and the ins and outs of how government works is blended perfectly with your likable personality and humor. I truly enjoy your show every night. Although I'm stuck working around a liberal breeding ground at a university, I make the most of it. Luckily, I don't have to interact with many of them during my towing shift. I want you to know that your work is not going unappreciated. Please keep up the awesome job. I tell everyone who will listen about your awesome show and and how they should listen. If you ever come out this way to New Haven, I'd be honored to take you out for tequila or a gluten-free vodka or three. Your impressions are really funny and well done and never fail to put a smile on my face. Please keep them coming. You are awesome. You're, uh, you are a true patriot. Your fan 
Jim. Well, Jim, you are very kind, and your note just made my day. So thank you for doing that. Uh, that's the nicest thing anyone's written to me in a while. It, it does mean a lot. I can tell you that there are a lot of days when I'm like, you know, it would be easier to not be in the fight in quite the same way that I am. It would be easier to just do something else. Um, but I love doing this show, and the ability to talk to all of you across the country is something that I, I find very worthwhile and, and very precious and I appreciate it. So even though I get, you know, crazy messages from libs with all kinds of insane threats and everything else, uh, it's worth it because I get to, I get to speak to people like Jim, whether they're doing their shift at work or, you know, while they're driving in the car or whatever they got going on. So it really, really does mean a lot. Thank you very much for that. And, uh, and also for spreading the word about the show um that's the single most helpful thing that any of you can do for the continued success of all things freedom hut paul writes buck saw this article on beards and thought of you bro shields high and the reason some men can't grow a full beard oh this is about how people can't get the mustache to connect to the goatee area huh i actually have pretty decent connection i'll tell you my, my connection is pretty solid it's the it's the fullness of the beard on the sides of the face where I could really use uh, a bit of a, um, I don't know, some, some secret tips to make that grow in a little fuller, a little, a little bushier. That would really help things out quite a lot. Uh, but Paul, thank you for passing me the note. Randy. Hi, Buck Shields. Hi. I love your show, Randy. I love your taste in radio shows. So Angela Rye, commenting on Chris Cuomo's show on CNN, said that the MAGA hat is, to her, a trigger. This Make America Great Again hat is just as maddening and frustrating and triggering for me to look at as a KKK hood, she said. That's the type of hatred his policies represent. So if I see a young millennial wearing a Che Guevara t-shirt, can I say the t-shirt is a trigger to me and I can beat the snot out of him just saying? You know, Randy, I I see the point you're making and I can't disagree with it. And that is, if you're going to start to impute motives and beliefs to people based upon widely accepted political paraphernalia and and be the sort of judge jury and executioner of what is the right way to interact with those people where does that stop and start you know where does where does that go Um, and i think it leads us to a very dark and dangerous place and the notion that a maga hat is like a kkk hood this is just grotesque. I mean, this is a stupid thing that people who are either desperate for attention or just aren't very smart say on TV. And I wish that we had a more responsible media that would say, you know, that's really just it's it's not just that it's uncalled for in the sense that I disagree with it. It's uncalled for and that it is so historically ignorant and stupid that people should be ashamed to say such things out loud, but they're not. Team, that is it for this wonderful Monday show. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Back every day this week. Shields High. Global Verification Network, the only dual certified background investigation and vetting company out there. And I tell you what, you know, whenever you're hiring, you got to have background checks done. I had background checks done on me for every job that I've ever had. And it's important that you have an organization that you can go to that you know and trust, and you'll get somebody on the phone every time you call. So for those of you listening to this, if you're in an HR department for a huge company or if you're a small business owner, you can get a program tailored to your needs by Global Verification Network. So please, even if you've already got somebody doing your background checks, 
See if you can get a better deal from Global Verification Network and better service. I bet you can. Go to MyGVN.com. Again, that's MyGVN.com or call 877-695-1179. Make sure you tell them Buck Sexton sent you. Again, try Global Verification Network for all your background investigation needs. 877-695-1179.